You know, have you ever stopped to, to really think about how impactful um, words of love from someone that you look up to really are? Words of love from someone you look up to. Think about how impactful they can be and they are on your life. When, when someone that you admire, someone that you want to be like, someone that, that, that you kind of look to from afar maybe, when, when, when they open up their heart and they speak love and value and over your life, what it does. Maybe for you, this was a coach growing up, or maybe it's your coach now, or maybe um, it's a professor or a youth pastor or a mentor. Or maybe it was your boss at work, someone that you look up to who spoke words of love over your life. Um, growing up, especially when I was younger, every time I would go on an overnight, like to an overnight camp, you know, and so I got to go to church camp growing up and basketball camp. The nerdiest thing I ever did was go to preaching camp, literally in fifth grade. So knew I wanted to do that. And, you know, like most fifth graders, I'm going to a preacher's camp to get trained. And, and, um, and my mom would do this thing every time I would, I would go away over the night. And so I would pack my bag and, and I would be settling into the dorm or I'd be settling into the, you know, the, the bunk room, wherever it is that we were staying. That, that week for camp, and I'd open my bag, and every time I'd gone away, my mom managed to kind of sneak a letter in my bag. Any of you guys have mom or dads that do that when you'd go away? Just raise your hand if, if yes, yeah, several of you. That's really cool. And, and so I, I don't remember all the things that my mom would write in those letters. If I did, I'd have a great memory, and I don't. And, but, but I remember the way that she would always end her letters. And she would always say something about how much she loved me and how proud she was of me and how she was praying for me. And then she would always end, she stole the line from that book, I'll love you forever, I'll like you for always. And she'd always kind of end every letter by saying that, I'll love you forever, I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, you know, my baby you'll be. And, and, and I didn't realize how impactful those words were to me until a couple years ago. Um, we had this habit in our family where most nights I put our big kids to bed. And, and so we'll pick a book and we're reading it. And um, my oldest daughter, Finley, grabbed a book and, um, and this was, she chose this book. And so we're reading it and about halfway through, I'm just like breaking down crying. And she's like, dad, are you okay? Like, what is going on? I'm like, you'll understand one day. Like, and, and, and you realize, man, so often like impactful words from people that you love, they just have this way of in different seasons, just anchoring you and helping you and strengthening you. And I love the, the picture that we're gonna get this morning in Philippians because um, we, we began this letter last week. You know, it's this letter that was written by Paul, the apostle who wrote so much of the New Testament. We read about him all in the book of Acts. And he, and he wrote this letter to this, this church in the city of Philippi. And, and go back and listen to the podcast last week if you wanna get some of the context. Dave did a great job of kind of setting the trajectory of where we're going to be going the next 11 or 12 weeks. And today, what I want to do is I want to just start to begin to get into the heart of the letter. And, and so last week was intro, and this week, Paul really starts to, to get into the, to the meat of it. And so today, what I want to do is I think Paul kind of gives us this outline of, of generally of the, the eight or nine verses that we're going to be in today. And the, the first kind of thing I want us to notice is that, is that Paul, he shares his heart. So the first five or six verses, we're really going to just be kind of honing in on the heart from Paul. And then the second passage of scripture, the second part of our text this morning, Paul gives us a prayer. And so we're going to look at his heart, and then we're going to look at this prayer. And so I want to just kind of give us that, 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 that context for this morning, where we're going to go. And so let's look at, look at the heart of Paul first, starting in verse 3. It says, I thank my God 
every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It's right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. And whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. And God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And so I love this. Paul is literally sitting in prison. He's chained because of his commitment to sharing Jesus. And for a host of reasons, Paul decides to sit down and to write this letter to this church that he helped start and these people that he knew, that he loved, that he had walked with for so long. And and he begins this letter. And before Paul gives any instruction, I want you to notice this. There's no, this is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to act. This is how I want you to behave. Before he does anything, he opens a letter by giving them his heart. And he says, every time I think of you, I give thanks to God. You ever do that? Or you're just kind of going about your day, you're, you're driving, you're walking in between class, you, you, you're just sitting on your couch, and you think about someone. And when you think about their, their smile, or when you think about the impact that they had in your life, the, the only thing that, that you do, your reflex, is just to, to go, God, thank you so much for them. And I love this because Paul, you know, distance has this way of, of so often you, you don't know how people are doing, you don't know how they're feeling. And Paul's separated from these people that he loves so much. And he says, I want you to know that in the quiet places where I'm shackled up right now, that when I think of you, my reflex is to go, thank you, God, for these people. Two weeks ago, my youth pastor from growing up and his wife were in town. They were passing through and they stopped by the office and I got to spend a few minutes with them. And, and the, all the rest of that day, it was just kind of this, this weird moment where it just was sentimental the whole rest of the day, just thinking about memories, thinking about all the time and energy that, that they had poured into me, the way that they had spurred me on and called me higher and didn't let me settle for a lesser life. And, and all day as I was thinking about them, I was just going, God, thank you for putting them in my life. Paul looks at this church, these group of people that that had faces that he cared so much about, and he says, "When when I think about you, I thank God. Words of love for someone you look up to. And, and Paul continues to open his heart and, and he wants him to understand the depths of his love for them. It's not just gratitude that he has towards the Father when he thinks about this church. Paul goes on to describe, he says, when I think about you, there is just this joy that comes to my heart. And he says specifically that, that when I think about you, the reason I'm joyful is because you and I, we're partners in the gospel together. And I think this is so important because, you know, we're going to discover that, that part of the way that this church supported Paul, the way that they were partners, is that he fina- they financially supported Paul. Like, literally, there were benefactors that they helped support his ministry. But Paul is talking about so much more than just, you know, writing a check and, and supporting him and going about their lives. He looks at this church in Philippi and he goes, guys, you're, you're the real deal. You're not just people who are content with with me doing the mission work and you're just kind of going about your life. He says, no, what what I see in you is a genuine partnership in the gospel of Jesus that that you care deeply about your lost friends coming to know Jesus. 
And I know that, that you're praying for people in your life that are far from God, and you're praying for healing, and you're praying that people will be resuscitated to, to the goodness of God. And I see the way that, that you're gathering, and I see the way that you're praying, and the way that you're persevering. And he looks at this church, and he goes, I see not just people who are supporting me financially. I see my partners in mission. Guys, isn't it true when, when you see people drastically going after Jesus? people that you know, people that you love, it just has this way of calling you higher. It has this way of, of speaking something inside of us, going, man, I am I'm made for more. I want more. I think about Aaron and Amy, one of our beloved families, that, and one of our pastors that moved at the end of last year to the Middle East to work among Muslims. And reading the, their monthly update this past week, and, 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 and they're asking us to, to, pray for, to pray for the people that they're in, interacting with, their taxi drivers, and the, and the lady that serves them the fruit at the, at the, the street fruit stand, and to pray for the per, people that come into their house. And, and as I'm reading their letter, I'm going, man, it is, it is a partnership. And when you understand that it's not just someone else's duty and joy to, to be on mission for Jesus, that it's, it's our joy and it's our responsibility and that we get to be a part of it too, there's something about the partnership that just calls everybody higher. And Paul looks at his church and he goes, guys, you're my partners. And when I think about all the ways that you're not sitting on the sideline of faith, but that you're continuing to gather with your house church, and you're trying really hard to, to keep your heart and your hands pure before the Lord. And, and, and when I see you prioritizing me and worshiping me, Paul goes, it brings me joy. I love Paul. I mean, he, he starts this letter and he says, I want you to see my heart. I want you to see that I'm, I'm thanking God for you. I want you to see the joy that's in my heart for you. And, and then the last thing that I want us to look at this morning in verse six is, is Paul wants them to see the confidence in his heart. Look at verse six. I think this is one of the most powerful and important verses for us to, to know and to cling to that being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you We'll carry it on to completion to the day of Christ Jesus. How many of you needed to hear that this morning? God always finishes what he starts. And you need to know this morning, you came here this morning, and if, and if you know Jesus, if you walk with Jesus, if you have his spirit, you need to know and understand that, that the reason that is the case is because God initiated relationship with you. That, that God came and found you. And he came and found me. It wasn't that, that, that I decided I wanted to start following Jesus. No, long before I started, to, I wanted to follow Jesus. He was knocking on the front door of my heart, just going, let me in. And whatever God starts, he finishes. He doesn't grow tired of us. He doesn't get discouraged when we falter, when we stumble, that, that the God who reigns in heaven, who lives inside of us, he completes what he starts. And what he completes is making us like Jesus helping us care about the things that Jesus cares about, helping us live for the things that Jesus lived for. And I love the way that our God works is he always meets us where we are, but he calls us more. He calls us higher. And you see this all throughout the scripture. God is not in the business of finding developed people. God is in the business of finding people who are far from him and developing them into becoming people like him. God loves developing people. He's an expert at it. 
I love the story of Abraham. In Genesis chapter 12, you know, the father of the faith. And what you see in Abraham, there's so many amazing characteristics about Abraham. He is this man of, of high courage. I mean, think about if, if God came to you this morning and said, I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave your country. I want you to leave everything that's familiar and comfortable and to go to another place. How many of you just would go, I'm going right now. He's a man of high courage, high obedience. But what you discover as you look at Abraham's life is that he's a man of low character. Not in every aspect, but, but there's some parts of his character that you go, man, oh, like it's embarrassing that that's in scripture. And yet it's so unbelievably comforting because that's my life, right? Isn't that all of our story that, that, that there are, are parts of us that man, we're really proud of and there are parts of us that we go, man, there's a long way that I gotta go to coming like Jesus. And I love the thing that, that God teaches us in scripture about people in the past is that God is in the business of developing us. God finished what he starts. And I love these last couple of verses in verse seven and eight. Paul said, it's right for me to feel this way. It's right for me to be thankful and joyful and to have this confidence since I have you in my heart. And whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Really? You, you love these people the same way that Jesus loves them? That's pretty bold of you, Paul. See, Paul understands, though, man, when, when Christ's heart starts to grow in us, that's actually the way that you love people. You learn to love people just like Jesus. Paul opens his heart, and before he gives any instruction, before he gives any, hey, this is what it looks like to, to live out your faith, he wants the people that he's writing to, the church, to understand his, his heart, and more than his heart, God's heart. Paul shares with them his heart, and I love the second part of this passage that we're going to be in this morning. He shares his heart, and the second thing that he does is he shares his prayer. And this is an incredibly rich and dense it's short, but it's so compact, so filled with goodness, his, his little prayer. And I think so often you, you get in the business, or maybe, maybe you don't do this. I should just say, I do this. I get in the business of reading through scripture, and I miss, like, oh, this is, this is actually a prayer that Paul was praying over these people. Alliteration. There you go. Listen to what he prays. This is, this is what he says. And this is my prayer. Verse 9 that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Listen to that prayer. That your love, this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus to the glory and praise of God. And I just kept thinking about the way that this church would have received this. You know, they didn't have the scripture like we do, bound, easy, accessible. This letter would have come to this group of people. And you can just imagine whoever it was that stood up to, to read this passage on or to read the letter from Paul. And, and you can just imagine, going, hey, will you read that, read that prayer again? 
Wait, wait, what, what is it that Paul's praying for us? Because words that, uh, uh, from someone that you look up to, words of love from someone that you look up to impact you deeply. I love what Paul prays. Have you ever had someone pray a prayer over your life? That, that for the next season or maybe for the next ye- few years, it continued to just kind of guide you? and encourage you and strengthen you? Brother Phil is here this morning. Brother, elder, pastor at a different church, just an amazing man of God two years ago. He prayed a prayer over my wife and I. And throughout the whole course of that year, the words that he prayed, God used to really anchor us and strengthen us. And a year later, we were like, man, remember when that prayer was prayed? Man, prayers are, are powerful. They have the ability to, to shape you and to call you higher and to guide you into so much more. And when the apostle Paul gives us this prayer, let's not rush past it. I love that he, he, his prayer for the church, his prayer for, for, for the people in Philippi. And our, our, the thing that we're asking that God will pour out on us this morning is this same prayer, that, that the love would overflow out of us. That, that, that the love would abound in this place. That word literally means to pour out of. And I go, man, what, what if that was the case for our church family? That the older we get, the more love we have, the more love we give, not the less. Who wants that to be true of them? <laughs> yeah, for your, for your friends and your spouse and your kids and your grandkids to go, you know what, mom? You know what, Dad? You know what, Sam? You know what? Like, I consistently have seen the love of God come out of you more the older you get. You go, God, let that be so in our, in our body. He prays specifically that, that the love of God would abound in knowledge and depth of insight. And what I can make of this, he's describing a love that comes from actually knowing God and having insight into his heart. This is what Paul is saying. I'm praying that your love grows because you know God and you know what he's doing in this world. Guys, when we start to to see what God is doing, the words of scripture start to be played out in our lives when we recognize it, when we give God glory for it, it only makes our hearts burn for him even more. When we actually know God, when we know his heart, and his desire for us to be a church that fully loves him with all of our heart. When we know this God, the love of God, the love starts to overflow. It starts to abound out of us. He says, I'm praying that the love would, would abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to, listen to this, to discern what is best. He's saying, I don't want you just to be people who, who are, are loving, who are filled with love of God. He goes, I want you to be a discerning people. Guys, that we wouldn't just settle for, for mediocre Christian living. And we wouldn't be content to, to listen to other people's stories of what God's doing in their life. That we wouldn't be content to just, to just show up and check the box. But that, but that we would go, I want fully in. 
And I don't want a, a good life for God. I want the best life with God. Paul's prayer is so beautiful here. He says, I'm praying that, that at every moment you are marked with discernment. That you know the path, that, that here's a good way to live, but here's the best path. And I'm praying that you are able to see it clearly and that at every point, at every turn, you choose the best life. A life that pleases the Lord Jesus, a life that blesses the people around you, a life that gives you the most peace and purpose. Listen, this prayer is so rich. I'm praying that love may abound in knowledge and depth of insights so that you may be able to discern what is best so that you will be pure and blameless on the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness. You know, this is a second time in this passage that Paul talks about the day of Christ. It's interesting that, that Paul mentions it twice in five verses. And the day of Christ was incredibly important to Paul. You see it all throughout his letters. It's important to, to all the, the early disciples of Jesus, the, the day when, when Christ would return. When the, the dead would be raised. That everyone would stand in front of King Jesus. Those who are, have given their lives to following Jesus step into to dwelling with Jesus forever, those who've lived in rebellion to the Lord Jesus, those who, who have followed the enemy in his ways will be separated from him forever. The day of Christ is the, 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 the moment that the, the earth begins to be made new. We're going to study this this fall. I'm incredibly excited to talk about what it looks like to be a church that prepares, that is looking forward to the day of Christ's return. And for Paul, as he looks at the day of Christ, he can say a lot of things here, but the thing that he's praying is, is that I want you to be pure and blameless on the day Christ returns. Isn't that ridiculous? How many of us, if we're being super honest, are pure and blameless? Right? The, this, this word purity, it means that, that your character, it stands when it's put under the spotlight. And how many of us, we go, man, if, if the fullness of my life were, were spotlighted, every thought, every part, how many of us would come in this morning and go, yeah, I live up to this. Or this idea of blameless, it carries this idea of not causing others to stumble. And I go, I wonder how many of us, we look back on our lives and we go, oh, how often I help be a part of other stumbling. And so on the one hand, this is so far from true from us that we would be pure and blameless before a holy and perfect God. Like if we're looking at our lives and our actions, I mean, this is a, a terribly scary day. But, but when the cross of the Lord Jesus comes into play, and may the cross never lose its meaning among us. The extravagant, the undeserved, the unearned gift of grace that was given to us. The forgiving of our sins. When we look at the cross and what our Savior did for us, 
could not be a better combination of words than pure and blameless. You see, when Christ came the first time and he offered his life on the cross for our sins, it counted. It fully covered us. God poured out his wrath on his son on the cross that we deserved. And when in our hearts we truly understand that our, our penalty has been paid, and it was paid by Jesus, the one who joyfully, as Hebrews says, gave his life for us. When we learn that, when we, when we look at Jesus and we look at what he earned for us, we, we learn to start walking in purity and blamelessness. I love what Paul writes to our brother Titus. Titus chapter 2, verse 11, it says, The grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Listen to this. And his grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. To live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Following Jesus is so much more than just about not doing bad things. Right? Part of following Jesus is learning to, to say no to temptation and struggle because it steals joy and it separates us from, from, from God and it creates this, this friction between us and, and, and sin just has this way of distorting everything about our lives. And so we learn as God's people to live into this purity and this blamelessness that's been given to us. But following Jesus is not just about not doing good th- or bad things. Being a follower of Jesus is so much more than just avoiding things. Being a follower of Jesus means that that we live this life doing so much good for the king. That we are people who are filled with the fruit of righteousness. Paul talks about this at the end of Galatians chapter 6 verse 9. He says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest of righteousness we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good. Let us bear good fruit to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Or John chapter 5, verse 28, this is what Jesus says. He says, don't be amazed at this. A time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and they'll come out. He's talking about the day of Jesus, the day of, of his return, the resurrection of the dead. He says, and those who have done what is good will rise to live. And those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. Now, let's remember what we just talked about. We, we, we cannot possibly earn right standing with God. That is not something we are capable of doing. That is only the work of Jesus, only on the cross, only the blood that was shed, or the, the only holy and perfect one to ever live. But I want us to see this. Jesus emphasizes those who have given their lives to, to the good work of the kingdom. You know, as, as, as people who've been forgiven of our, of our sins, who've, who've been saved, who've been, who've been put into the story of God that he's been writing since the very beginning, 
Man, we, we do good not to, to earn anything from God, not to prove ourselves to God. No, we do good because of, of this place of gratitude for all that he's done for us. Man, and so, and so serving for us, you know, serving our church family or, or there's opportunities with our Easter, all these things. One of the things I love about our Easter partnership is with all four of these organizations, there are ways to serve, not just give your money, but to give your time and your energy. I go, so, so when we serve, it, it doesn't become this, this, this thing that we present to Jesus and say, okay, hey, I've earned it. I've proven to you, no, our, our service, our, our good deeds, our, our leading house church, our choosing to, to live lives of accountability to one another, our lives of, of sharing our faith and praying for people in our lives that don't know Jesus, and, and, and being radically generous with our, at our resources, and serving as mentors and tutors and, and helping students in our own city. Feeding the poor. All of these are, are good things of righteousness that we go, God, we, we give this to you because of what you've done for us. And it's a joy and it's a pleasure to, to lay down our lives and to spend our lives doing as much good for you as we possibly can. And I love the way that Paul ends this letter. He says, and you got to understand, it's all to the glory and the praise of Jesus Christ. All to the praise of God. All the work that he's doing in your heart all the good work that he's leading you to do in the city, in your friend group. It's his doing. We don't become arrogant. Man, we, we, we become more and more grateful. We say, God, you're worthy. You're worthy of more. You're worthy of it all. A letter filled with words of love from someone you look up to. A couple of things before we're going to take communion here in just a minute. I'm going to lead us through just a, a time of, of prayer. And, and if, you're, if you're comfortable, I want to invite you just to close your eyes. You know, this prayer, verse 9, 10, and 11, I don't think it's meant to just be preached. I think it's meant to be prayed. And so what I'm going to ask the Lord this morning is that as we're as we're praying, that you just pay attention. Let the Holy Spirit just highlight any part that really resonates in your heart. Maybe there's, there's a line that, that you need to be encouraged in or that you, you might need some, some rebuke in. And I want you to pay attention to, to what the Lord highlights. And so I invite you to, to close your eyes. And Lord, I just, I'm so grateful for this prayer. that has served your people, your church, for literally 2,000 years. Think about all the saints that have gone before us that have been spurred on that this prayer has served as an anchor. And Lord, we have no idea the ways that you've used it. 
Lord, I'm asking this morning for, for just fresh revelation for my sisters and brothers. And so, Lord, would you, would you highlight in every heart a place that you want to affirm us, a place that we need to grow, a place that we need to walk in confession and repentance. And so, Lord, search us. This is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more. Lord, for those in this space this morning that just need your love to to touch their hearts afresh, please do that right now. Lord, that, that your love would overflow and bubble up out of, would manifest in the way that we, we talk and treat people, our spouses and our friends and coworkers. That we bound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best. Lord, for those in this room who, who don't know you, please draw them to you, Jesus. Like a game of tug of war where they just feel you pulling on their heart, Lord. Lord, I pray for for this church to be marked with discernment, that that we would invest and give our lives to what is best. Lord, where there needs to be a reallocation of finances or time or energy, God, let it be. You may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness. Lord, for those who need to be reminded that they are pure and blameless, that Jesus, your blood was really shed. Let that be so this morning. It would be an awakening to the purity and blamelessness that's been imparted to them. For those who need to walk in the purity and blamelessness, who need to say no to ungodliness, let there be confession and repentance. For those that, that are, are doing good, Lord, let, let the heart stay humble and not proud. And all this that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God and for for our heart's desire to be, for you to be glorified, Jesus, and you alone to be praised. And those who need a, a fresh reminder that this life is about your name being exalted and not our own, come with your gentleness and correct us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We're going to take communion in just a minute, and I encourage you to, to share if the Lord was speaking to you, sparking something in your heart, what part of that was resonating. Before we take communion, before we go to the table, though, I want to, I want to issue an invite to you, a challenge this week for you to write a letter to someone. It could be a mentor. It could be someone that that you're pouring into. It could be a sibling, a child, 
spouse. I want to invite you to, to write a letter and the first part of the letter just to express your heart to them. How much you love them. How much they mean to you. The second part of the letter, I want to encourage you to write a prayer to them. And ask God to really guide your prayer, to give you a prayer to pray that will serve to bless them in the seasons and the years ahead. So I invite you to stand right now. I invite you to go to the table, table of grace and mercy. So you'll find forgiveness. I encourage you to take a piece of bread and a cup of juice to come back, to circle up your chairs for those that you're gathered around, to share what the Lord was speaking to you. If you want prayer, there'll be some of us that to respond, man. We'd love to pray with you. Love you all. So thankful for you.